I'm Jordan, and I'm here to let you know what's happening on the Hill. If you're new to Shelby Christian or even a first-time guest, this one's for you. We have our I'm New wall right outside those doors, and we would love for you to stop in and introduce yourself. We want the opportunity to meet you and help you get connected to our family. Attention all married couples. We have a great way to strengthen your marriage. Make plans to attend our marriage workshop on March 24th and 25th. This event will entertain you, challenge you, and strengthen your relationship. Go to our website, shelbychristian.org, and check out the marriage tab. Do you have an elementary age child interested in baptism? Tiffany will be hosting a Jumpstart Baptism class on March 19th during the 11 o'clock service. Contact her if you're interested. Last week, Dave announced a new traffic pattern change for our campus. Please educate yourself to help us prepare for growth as we approach Easter week. This change will start on March 26th. Our new pathway session is March 21st. If you're new and haven't completed this informational workshop, we would love to see you there. Childcare and a meal is provided. We are in a new sermon series straight off the hill. If you didn't get a t-shirt or want one, let us know. We have more coming. Help me in celebrating baptisms that happened this past week. Three members of the Leonard family experienced life change by professing their faith in Jesus Christ. Avery, Brooklyn, and Kennedy. Let's get ready to worship. You all didn't get surprised this morning like some people did. We lost our sleep last night, didn't we? That's okay, church. We're here. We're going to sing. We're going to worship the Lord together. Let's sing about the lion and the lamb this morning.
here in just one second. I wanted to read Ephesians 3 for you. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the fullest measure of his goodness. Amen. And it says in verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him. Be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, as we take that cup of, of bread and of juice this morning, just remember that our God, He's a covenant God. And He established a new covenant with His people. And every time that we partake of that cup, we reestablish in our in our hearts and our spirits that covenant that he made with us. We bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning. We pray that you do only what you can do. You change our hearts. You change our lives, Lord. And it's only through your son, Jesus that we were born again, that we were made new, a new creature through you, God. So, Father, as we partake, Lord, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. In Jesus' name, amen.
you can come.
flesh may fail My God, you never will I may be weak Your spirit's strong in me He's the same God, amen.
today? Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. So glad you guys are here today. And I'm so excited about what God's doing. Uh, I hope you got to watch the video uh, before service and not hang around because the very last part, of it, I, I always love in our video announcements when there's baptisms, but this one was just like special if you didn't see. You need to hang around. It's a minute and 30 second video. Uh, those three little girls last week. That was, that was awesome. And we had one Thursday night and God's doing stuff. And so here, let me real quick before we jump into to today's stuff, let me go jump forward to Easter. Okay. Uh, Easter's coming like right around the corner and we've got some special stuff getting ready for Easter. And here's what is blew my, 15 years ago this happened. And, and I remember where I was standing, I was standing over in the gym talking to a middle school kid and we were talking about some things that were going on for Easter. He'd heard us making announcements at Easter and this middle school kid in Shelbyville, Kentucky, like central Kentucky, asked me, what's Easter? And it just reminded me that there's people all around us that don't know even some of the things that we just take so much for granted. The most amazing story of history. He didn't know what he was. He's an eighth grader. And, and so I just want to encourage you, there are people that you are going to come in contact with between now and uh, April the whatever, 12th, what is it, 9th, whatever, 9th, uh, that's Easter, that don't know what Easter is, but need to know what Easter is. Are you with me? And, and, and so I hope that you'll spend some time really trying to invite people. Uh, once again, we got plenty of these uh, Easter at SCC bumper stickers by tomorrow. All the Easter stuff will be on that website. They go there and they can see everything about the Easter egg hunt the day before, all the Easter uh, times and everything. Here are the times. We'll have our regular Thursday night service, all right? It will be... It will be Easter Sunday slash Thursday, okay? That's, that's what it is, all right? Then Friday, we will have a good Friday service, and then we'll have three services on Sunday. And here's the deal. We're going to keep these two times, our regular two time slots, 9, 30, and 11, keep them in place, but we're adding an early one, not like sunrise early, but well, maybe with the time change, it is sunrise early, I don't know. But we'll have an 8 o'clock service on Easter Sunday no children's programming. So obviously kind of for that one, we're targeting people that are empty nesters, the, the, the children's program is not a thing. And, and the whole reason being, okay, we can come in, we can have our own service, we can do that. And then we can hang around and help and serve, but also create uh, plenty of space for young families that are coming to check it out who may have kids in their house that don't know what Easter is. All right, so that's kind of our schedule. That's where we're going. The new traffic flow pattern will be in place before then. In fact, it will be in place two weeks from today. So watch the videos, check out things in the e-news, things out there, and there'll be huge signs in place by that day. All right, so man, we are so excited about what God's going to do. This series that we're in, that we've been calling Straight Off the Hill. We're, I think this is week three uh, of eight weeks. We're going through Easter, okay? And we're talking about all these great things that happen on mountains or hills in the Bible. And the whole goal being is we want to learn what happened on those hills so that the people that were on the hills that learned lessons could take them off to the people. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to learn the same kind of lessons on the hill and take them off the hill to the people in our community, okay? And and so today we're going to climb a completely different hill. We're going to climb uh, Mount Pisgah. And what what we begin to see today on this hill is, is this incredible 
incredible balance, this incredible balance between truth and grace. Between truth and grace. And the God that we serve is is an incredible God that balances truth and grace. We try to be a church that balances truth and grace. Here's what God's word says, and and we love you, and let's work through those things together. Now, there are plenty of places in this world today, plenty of churches in this world today that will beat you up with truth. I I mean, they will pound you till you're bludgeoned and and bleeding with truth, all right? There are other churches that will just, you know, rainbows and unicorns and love you and hug you and all about grace. And, and if you don't have the balance between truth and grace, you're missing everything that Jesus came for. And we're going to see that today in this story that we're going to look at in just a moment. On August the 28th, 1963... Martin Luther King stepped up onto the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and shared a speech that has been remembered ever since then, a speech that now our kids study when they go through history, American history in school. And in the beginning of that speech, Martin Luther King quoted Abraham Lincoln, who, who he was standing on the Lincoln Memorial, and he quoted some of the things that Lincoln had said uh, when he was trying to abolish slavery, all right? And then King went into his own speech, and here's some of the things that he said in that speech. Here's one thing, he said, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. And then he finished this way. When we let, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, every mountain and every hill, every church, every community, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Here's something that I noticed. Both Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, a hundred years later, had virtually the same dream, virtually the same vision, virtually the same hopes and desires. And neither one of those men ever got to see their dreams come to complete fruition. But here's what they did do. While neither one of them got to see the completion, both men moved the needle. Both men got things going in a more positive direction. They moved our country, and and, and I hope in turn the world, in a positive direction on on those racial issues. And we still got work to do, but where would we be if those men hadn't had dreams? If they hadn't got the ball started and moving? And so sometimes there are things that that God gives us that are dreams that that, that come through us, and we just don't get to be the one to see the end result. But we still need to move the needle. We still need to move the needle. A lot of you guys have been to the movies recently. Uh, I I know because I've watched your social media. And I know that a lot of us in this room have been to see the same movie. 
a lot of you have been to see the Jesus Revolution in, in the last couple of weeks here in town or in Louisville or wherever. And it's a really cool movie. If you haven't seen it, you ought to see it. You ought to do some research about what happened before, uh, that it's all about before you go see it. It'll help you understand things more. But the Jesus Revolution is this really cool movie. It's the story of Chuck Smith and the Calvary Chapel Church in California. Now, Chuck Smith, let's, uh, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, like, Let's just be honest. Here's Chuck Smith, okay? Chuck Smith is a middle-aged, middle-class, white conservative preacher in the 1960s and 70s. I mean, I'm not casting stones. I'm just, that's who he is. Well, in, in, in the late 60s and 70s, oh, and he's in Southern California. In the late 60s and so, in late, in early 70s, all over the country, but it's a lot of Southern California was home to the hippie movement. And Chuck Smith in his white middle class, you know, middle, middle everything, <laughs> like struggled, like these people are freaks and you know, I don't know what, 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 until through this really cool, and I'm not gonna do the spoiler, this really cool series of events, a hippie, ends up at his kitchen table having a meal with him and a very, very interesting conversation. The cool thing about that is in the middle of that conversation, Chuck Smith is broken. And Kelsey Grammer that plays it does an incredible job. His facial expression, he's like, I've been so wrong. And so he takes this bold move, different move, but just as bold as when Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves and when Martin Luther King gave his speech, Chuck Smith invites this hippie whose name is Lonnie, Lonnie Frisbee. He's, he's a hippie who's found Jesus. He invites Lonnie and his friends to come to their church on Sunday. And it's, it's, it's comical. Because, you know, everybody in the church looks exactly the same until Lonnie shows up and Lonnie's friends. And they don't have on coats and ties and shirts and, and dresses. They've got on jeans and baggy shirts and a few of them have got on in shoes. You know, and that's kind of it. They don't fit in. They don't fit the mold. They don't fit what everybody thought was supposed to be. And so, you know, things start happening. And, and, you know, and another bold move, not only did Chuck Smith invite him in, he invites Lonnie to preach. And when that starts happening, like these hippies start coming from everywhere. And before long, there's as many hippies as there are the original church people. And then there's more. And that's where the old guard lost control mentally. We can't let this happen. And so there's this whole series of like things and they tell him, they tell uh, Chuck Smith, you gotta make these guys leave, they can't stay here. And he's like, I ain't making nobody leave church. 
And so there's this day where there's one guy who's been like the leader, stands up in church and takes his wife by the arm and they march out the back door. And then another couple does the same thing. And then it's so cool because the guy just actually, I'll pick on you. He's like sitting right over here in this section. Right there. There's this white haired guy who's about the same age as the ones who left. And he stands up and there's this moment he stops in the middle of the aisle. But instead of turning to the back, he steps across the aisle and goes and sits right in the middle of the hippies. Everything changed in that moment because some individuals saw that everybody deserves to know Jesus. And then, so then it goes, it's crazy. And they're like, now they're like baptizing people by the hundreds down at the beach. And the church is exploding and they have to have a tent to get services. And it's awesome. It's awesome. And awesome. And then there's another telling moment. There's a telling moment in the movie when Lonnie, the former hippie turned preacher, begins to believe that it's all about him. And that he's the reason that all these people are coming. And in a very bold move of leadership and mentorship, Chuck Smith has to sit him down and say, No, Lonnie, this ain't about you. This is about Jesus. You need to take a break. And what? what, what? I didn't know you won't go. No, you're on the bench. You need, to, you need to take a break and you need to go work on your marriage. And so although Lonnie Frisbee had been one of the ones that instigated the change, he thought it was about him, not just that he was one that was a catalyst for it. He thought it was about him and that he was the one that was changing people's lives until he couldn't do it anymore. He had a dream. He had a vision. Chuck Smith had a one different. They came together. They merged. It was great. And Lonnie didn't get, ever get to see the fruition of it because his ego got in the way. His arrogance got in the way. Now, the beautiful thing about it is, and I'll let you research and figure all this out, the rest of it. There's a, there's a young kid, one of, the, one of the many young kids that's around, young college-age kid that's around, is a guy named Greg, who comes to Jesus during that. And, and you, you need to figure out who he is, because he's still doing, like, incredible, incredible, incredible stuff for God. But the whole point is... Martin Luther King had a vision of what could be. Lonnie Frisbee had a vision of changing lives, but got trapped in his own ego. But for very different reasons, both men never really got to see their dreams become reality in this lifetime. Our story today is very similar to this. I'm going to be all over the Old Testament, so you can either write stuff down, write things down, or if you're really quick with your phone or your, or your Bible, whatever, because we're going to be in several places in the Old Testament, because I want you to see the story about Moses. Last week, we climbed Mount Sinai with Moses as he went and got the commandments and talked about the eight trips he made up the mountain. Here, I want you to see where Moses gets to see, had the vision of the promised land. Okay, it's, it starts off uh, and, and it's just about understanding, being able to see something from a point of view that you wouldn't otherwise be able to see it. Have you ever had the opportunity to climb a mountain? Climb a mountain to get to the top of a mountain and be able to see things that you could not see any other way. 
Maybe it was in Colorado or Alaska, but maybe it's just here in, in Kentucky, in eastern Kentucky, over the mountains. There, and you were able to do something with some effort to get to the top of the peak, and you could just see things that you wouldn't have been able to see any other way. Now, maybe you thought you were dying when you were climbing the mountain and trying to get to the top of the mountain and you weren't sure you were ever going to be able to share the vision that you had from the top of the mountain. But when you got to the top of the mountain, the view at the top was incredible. Or how about this one? How about this one? How many of you have ever flown in a plane and taken a picture out the window? Have you ever done this? You've been in a plane. Maybe the first, the, the first time you're in a plane, maybe you're still trying to figure out the turbulent thing. And like, are we really going to survive this? Like, what's the shaking stuff going on? But then, you know, every time I'm on a flight, uh, I like to sit by the window just because I kind of like to look. But I like, I, I'll lean over and I'll look. And, and every flight I've ever been on, there's been people like used to be with their cameras and now it's with their phones. And they're trying to take pictures. And these are not high quality pictures out of plane window, are they? Because you've got too many panes of glass going through. But we like to see because at 30,000 feet, you really are seeing stuff that you can't see in a place. And, and, and we take those pictures and we dream about things and we're flying over. We don't even know what we're flying over. You know, I, that's why I wish that there would always be like the, the, the map that was always available on the plane. They're like, here's where you are right now. Because I don't know how many cool things I've flown over and I don't have a clue what it was. And then I'm going back and trying to figure out who knows what direction the plane took. But it's so incredible. And so you see these visions of beautiful things that you couldn't see any other place. Have you ever made a choice in life? You had a vision and, and you were like tracking on, maybe it was your, maybe it was a financial vision of where you wanted to be, where, you know, you want to do this and this and this and be able to retire at such and such an age, had this much and everything, and, and, and something happened. Maybe that thing that happened was your fault. Maybe you were the one that made a bad choice that wrecked your vision. Wrecked your vision along the way, and you had to deal with the consequence of that. That's what I want you to see as Moses gets to climb the mountain and see over into the promised land. We're going to start off, and real quick, in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 3. Look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 3. This God speaking, it says, tells Moses, but go up to the Pisgah Peak and look over the land and look over the land in every direction. Now check this out. Take a good look. But you may not cross the Jordan River. Instead, commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him. For he will lead the people across the Jordan. He will give them all the land that you now see before you as their possession. Do you, do you understand what's happening there? Mount Pisgah is right at the edge. It's right at the edge of the promised land. And so God takes Moses and says, take a look, good look. There it is. There it is. There's what you've been dreaming of. There's been what you've been working for. There's what all the blood, sweat, and tears. There it is. But no soup for you. You don't get to go. You don't get to go in. Huh, what? And, and, and this young guy, Joshua, you take him and, and commission him and encourage him and strengthen him because he gets to go in. He gets to go lead the people in. Now, Look, look ahead to Deuteronomy 34. 
Deuteronomy 34, once again, Moses at the very end of his life. And then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed the Pisgah Peak again, which is right across from Jericho. See, I told you, it was right across from the Promised Land, because Jericho is the first town they come to, right, when they get in the front. And it's right across from Jericho, and the Lord showed him the whole land. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is the land I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants, I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes. But you will not enter the land. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. You get that? The second time Moses got to go up and get the vision on the mountain to be able to see into the promised land, to see what he had been dreaming of, to see what he'd been working on. But he wasn't going to get to go. Not only was he going to go, he died looking into the promised land. Well, that kind of stinks, doesn't it? Uh, that doesn't make any sense at all. At first glance, shoot, at second and third and fourth and fifth glance, some would argue that God's not being fair, that the punishment didn't fit the crime. But here's the deal. Moses had a vision of the promised land without the victory of the promised land. Wow. Being able to see things, see in the future... And not be able to, that's tough. But once again, just like, just like Abraham Lincoln, just like uh, uh, Martin Luther King, just like even Lonnie Frisbee, they didn't get to see the end result, but they moved the needle in a positive direction. From what you know about scripture, would you agree that Moses moved the needle in a positive direction for God's people? He, he, he didn't get the end, but, but he got them going. He had a vision, all right? But Moses missed out on the promised land because of sin. Sin gets in the way of a lot of our visions coming to reality. In Moses' case, like in many of our cases, it was a sin of disobedience. And one of the things that God had already established, we spent a lot of time last week talking about those commandments, and God had established, these are commandments, not suggestions, Moses. When I speak to you and ask you to do something, I'm not just hinting at it. I'm like, no, do this, all right? And two very similar stories show Moses not following God's direction. I don't have time to read the whole story, but let me at least preface the beginning of the stories and then show you what happened, all right? You know that when Moses led the people out of the Egyptian bondage, and as soon as they get, they get through, the, they, he goes to Pharaoh ten times, and Pharaoh you know, finally concedes and lets them go, and they pack up all their stuff, and they start heading down. They get to the Red Sea. He lifts his rod. The Red Sea parts. They go through the Red Sea. He drops his rod. The Red Sea you know, comes in. Egyptian army's killed, and everybody's you know, on the other side. Should, have, should that have been a party or what? Should the backside of the Red Sea been the biggest party in history? And immediately, you know what the, the Israelite people are doing? Moses, where's the McDonald's? I don't see a drive-through anywhere. There ain't no food. There ain't nothing for us to drink. And then the most amazing, we were better off over there. What? You were slaves over there for 400 years, and now, like, you're, like, because there's, like, you're a little hungry and thirsty? It, did you not believe that the God, did, did you see what he just did? You know, if I'm Moses, I'm like, were you guys watching that water? Did you see what God just did? And you don't think he can provide something for us to eat and drink? 
What are you talking about? And that eventually ended up making them wonder. But along the way, when they complained about the water, in Exodus chapter 17, they're complaining about the water again. All right? And, God, and Moses is like, God, how much longer do I have to put up with these people? Can you just like lightning bolt a bunch of them? Like, get them out of here. All right? And so the Lord said to Moses, here's what I want you to do. Walk out in front of the people and take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. And I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Remember, that's where we were last week. And strike that rock, and water will come gushing forth. And the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out, and the elders looked on. So like once again... Once again, God shows up. But here's what I want you to notice. Here's what, I, what was the command? Moses, strike the rock. So what did Moses do? So Moses struck the rock. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that. Because then sometime later, the people start complaining again. This time we're in the book of Numbers, if you want to look it up. In Numbers chapter 20, the, Moses, the people are complaining to Moses and Aaron again. And the people blame Moses and said, if only we had died back where we were, it would have all been, we wouldn't have to go through this. Why have you brought us out into this horrible, horrible place, all right? And, and so in Numbers 20, verse 6, Here's with the conversation. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. And then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take that staff and assemble the entire community as the people watch. Speak to the rock over there and it will pour out water. And you will provide enough water for the rock, from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. Okay, let's stop there just for a minute before, let's go back, before we read. All right, what did, what did God tell them to do? What did God tell them to do? It's right here. Speak to the rock. All right, now go to the next slide. All right. Uh, and it says, and starting in, I think it's in verse 9. So Moses did as he was told. He took, and so far he's so good. Like, okay, go. He, did, he took the staff from the place where it would be kept before the Lord. And then he said to Aaron, summon the people to come and gather the rock. Listen, you rebels. Like, that has to be like a, a nice translation. You know what I'm saying. Like, all right, here we go. Listen, you guys. Then Moses raised his hand. And struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out, so the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Did they get what they eventually, what they originally wanted? Water, absolutely. Where did the problem arise? The problem arise right here, verse eleven. Because down to here, Moses is golden. He's gone to God. He's made a request. God's told him what to do, and Moses is doing it. And he gets to verse 11. Remember the slide before? What did God tell him to do this time? Speak to the rock. What did Moses do? He not only struck the rock once, he struck it twice. He struck it twice. And then look at verse 11. Or 12, excuse me. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough, to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I am giving them. Yeah, think about what's going on here. You see, what, what, what God's saying is, you didn't trust me enough, and this phrase here, 
I've been, I've been like landing in here this week as I've been studying. Demonstrate my holiness. Do you realize that the way, for those of us who say that we're Christians, who say that we're God followers, do you realize that the way we live in front of people that are watching is a demonstration of the holiness of God? And when we choose to live differently than what God prescribes in his word, then we are not demonstrating the holiness. We're doing just like Moses did when he struck the rock twice when God had told him, just speak to the rock. See, God takes the way we live our lives very, very seriously. You know, one place hit the rock, one place speak the rock. You better pay attention to the instructions. You better pay attention to the instructions. When, when I was the youth minister here back in the late 80s, late 1980s, Shelby County High School had, uh, had a great cross-country program, and their boys won like three straight straight championships. And, and a lot of the bo- guys on the, on the boys' team were members of our youth group. They were, in the, they were in the small group that I led that Jason was in, and there was like a bunch of guys of the same age, and several of them were cross-country runners. I don't know if you have ever been to a cross-country match or not. It's like any other sporting match that I've ever been a part of, because there is no place to go and sit. If you want to see anything other than the beginning and end of the race. If you, and it's a three mile race, so it's going to take 10, 12, 15 minutes for some people. You know, um, day and a half for some of us. But anyway, so if you want to like be a spectator, participant, you kind of got to watch the start of the race, see him get off and shoot, and then you got to figure out the spots that you're going to run to to be able to see him come by again, and then run to another spot, and then run back to the finish line to be able to see it, okay? That doesn't sound like too big a problem, but does it look like I'm a cross-country runner? I never did. You know, back in that day, Jason would go with me to those, and Jason was like twice the man he is now. Like he was, and so you had me and Jason like running in a cross country match. Funniest thing you've ever seen. You got all these like really skinny dudes that can run fast, and here come Jason and I, and the earth shaking as we're trying to get from one spot to the next to be able to see our guys because they were our guys here at our youth group, and and, and so, but. There, I remember one year they were. It was a state. It was a state championship match, or meet, and it was at the Kentucky Horse Park. And there were three classes: one A, two A, three. Shelby Cam is three A. Uh, the the race right before us, I think, was the one A race. They didn't do them in order anyway. But there was this one one A school. There was this one A school that was like awesome. They were like awesome. I think they only had like you know, 38 guys in the school and half of them were runners, but they had the top three runners in the state on this one single A school. They were incredible. And in cross country, you run and the top or the lowest five scores, you add those up. And so you want to have a low score. It's kind of like a, so when they're finishing the race, I remember standing at the top of the hill because they had to turn a corner at the horse park and come up this little slight hill to the finish line. And they turned the corner in this race and you look down and you can see by their jerseys, it's the, 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 the there's three guys and then you don't see anybody. Like the, their three guys are so far, they're not only first, second, and third, you can't see fourth. I mean, that's how much they're killing everybody else. And they start running up the hill and we're watching going, man, these guys are incredible and then they do the coolest thing because they're all three seniors that have been best friends their whole life they get right next to each other and they hold hands and they run across the finish line together and break the tape together it was the coolest thing I ever saw in my life in sports except they broke the rules 
Because one of the rules is you are not allowed to intentionally touch a teammate in a cross-country race. And all three of those runners were disqualified. That meant their team was disqualified. They were the best around, but because they didn't follow the rules, they didn't get the medals. See, there are things in life that just require us to do the right thing. To do the right thing, to stay the course, to finish the race. And sometimes the reason we don't do the right thing, Moses had to be frustrated. He had been through everything with these people. All they wanted to Moses, we're hungry. Moses, we're thirsty. Like, are you kidding me? I understand why he struck the rock twice. I can't figure out why he's not still beating it. I, I, I mean, I get all of that. I get all that. And none of us make wise choices when we're frustrated. So maybe when we realize that we've got to make a choice about how we're going to live, maybe we're tired and frustrated and we just need to take a moment and halt. We just need to halt what we're doing. And real quick, we're going to be done here. I want to give you just a real quick acronym for that word HALT because it will help you. Sometimes what you have to do is just realize, am I actually hungry? All right? Am I hungry? Because I don't know about you. I don't make good choices when I'm really hungry. Not just like I want to eat, but I'm really hungry. Like, you know, because now we've got, we've coined a new term, right? Hangry. Because yeah, when we get to a certain level of hunger, we get hangry. All right? Like, and it is a great, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt when any of my granddaughters are hungry. Because they turn into these people that I don't know. All right. And I'm like, you need to eat. No, I don't want to eat. Yeah, you need to eat. You need to eat right now. No, I don't want to eat. You either eat or I'm going to stuff it down you because you need to eat. All right. And, and so sometimes we just need to get something to eat. There's nothing wrong with it. Right, second thing, real quick. Sometimes the A is sometimes we're just anxious. Sometimes we're just anxious. There we go. And anybody struggle with that? You don't have to raise your hand. But you know that just there's certain things in life and you get, you know, it's almost, it's kind of like the hunger feeling, but it's a little bit further up. And it's like, just, you know, and it's like, this doesn't feel right. I'm just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And in those moments, what you need to do is you need to get some counsel. You, you, you need to get some counsel and you just need to breathe. You just need to breathe. You ladies that have given birth. Remember in those nine months before the early on, you know one of the things they teach you to do? Breathe. Because you know, you know, because if you don't, you're not going to make it. <laughs> She's not in here so I can say this. <laughs> We're in the LDR and I'm not trying to help. I'm trying to be the good. You got to breathe. You got to breathe. I don't want to breathe. Okay, you're going to die. <laughs> You know, you know, but but childbirth is very anxious. I've never experienced it. I've experienced it vicariously. I've been there twice, all right? But you just, sometimes in life, you just need to breathe. You just need to breathe. So get something to eat. Get some counsel. Breathe. The, sometimes you just feel lonely. Man, been there, done that. I'm the only one that has a clue what I'm going through right now. 
I'm the only one on this planet that's ever having to deal with this right now. And you just feel lonely. And, and so when you feel lonely, you just, need, you just need to get some friends. You just need to get some friends and hang out. Just hang out. Don't, don't, don't know agenda. Just hang out. I would tell you to go home and watch the ball game this afternoon. But, oh well, we can't do that. So like, like just get some friends and hang out. And sometimes... Sometimes, let's face it, we're just tired. We're just tired. I put that in there today because I want to say congratulations on being able to set your clocks. You guys are winners, all right? Some people are still asleep. We just get tired. We just get tired. I got up Friday morning after preaching Thursday night. I got up Friday morning at 5.30 and I hit the road and I had to drive out of town for a conference and then I had to drive back yesterday and I got home at 7 o'clock, which was really 8 o'clock. And like... I never do this, but I was asleep by nine o'clock last night because I was just tired. I was just tired. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. And so when we're tired, get some rest. See, Moses found himself in a bad situation because he's frustrated. We find ourselves in bad situations and Moses missed out on the promised land. Or did he? One of the greatest themes in the Bible is grace. I want you to see Moses experience grace. Because one bad move and Moses didn't get to see the promised land in that lifetime. But as Jesus was preparing for the end of his life, he told the disciples how tough it was going to be to follow after him. You take up your cross and you have to do this. and do it. it was going to be tough. And that was at the end of Matthew 16. And then we get to Matthew 17 and you've got to see this. Matthew 17, six days after Jesus has had this conversation about how tough it's going to be. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and brought two brothers, James and John, and led them, here we go, up another mountain. This one's the Mount of Transfiguration, to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed, said that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And then look at verse 3. Then suddenly, who? We ain't seen him since the end of Deuteronomy. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began to talk with Jesus. Moses finally was present in the promised land because that's where Jesus was when he was teaching on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Moses had to deal with the consequences of his mess up and his fail. And he didn't get to to enter the promised land in his original lifetime, but he got to enter it in the better life. And he got to be there. He got to be there. And sometimes we go through seasons where we mess up and we go through hard times. And sometimes we may never get to see the victory and the glory in this life. But if we have put ourselves right with Jesus, we get to see victory in eternity. And it's worth it all. Moses was there on the Mount of Transfiguration in the promised land. Here's the lesson to take off the hill today. Even if things are hard in this life, it can get better. You guys know why, right? Because when life is hard, God is real good. 
and he'll take us out of our misery and put us in the misery, uh, in the ministry. And, and life was hard for Moses, but God was good. And that's not a new bottom line, but it's still the accurate bottom line. Life was hard for Moses, but God was good. You may be going through some stuff that makes your life really, really hard right now. We want to remind you that God loves you desperately. That Jesus loved you enough to die for you. And so as we sing this last song of worship, maybe you just need some time to pray. And you're welcome to do that right where you are. But as we told you last week, we've created this this prayer area over here at the base of the cross. And you can go over there and sit. You can go over there and kneel. Nobody will bother you. Nobody will bother you. Maybe you need to to talk to somebody like, I I really, I don't know what all that's going on. I just would like to talk to somebody. And and so Jason, Dennis, some of our staff will be around over there. But if you just want to pray, they're going to leave you alone. But if you want to talk to them, just walk up to them and they'll talk to you. They'll pray with you. They'll encourage you. They'll walk you through what it means to give your life to Jesus. But if stuff's going on right now and you feel like it's hard and the walls are caving in, we don't want you to leave in that condition. We want you to, to halt and to get some help and be ready to move forward. And if everything's cool and everything's great in your life right now, then when we stand up to worship, I just want you to worship like Jesus is standing in front of you in physical form. And I want you to pray for those who are struggling. Let's all stand. Let's worship and celebrate God's reckless love for us.
shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me No wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me and God changing, changing lives and I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. This is your first time here. We're so honored that you came to worship with us. Uh, if you'll stop out at the I New Wall out in the lobby we've got a special gift for you. Uh, we'd love to meet you out there. Uh, Pathways, which is our on-ramp to becoming a member of the church uh, and getting involved in, in uh, ministry and in life groups. Uh, Pathways for this month is next, uh, not this coming Tuesday, but a week from Tuesday. She's got nine days. You can sign up on the website. You can check out the e-news and you can sign up. You can go to our Facebook page, all kinds of places. Or you can just come find me and I'll sign you up, okay? Uh, but you can get signed up for Pathways, which is a week from Tuesday. Uh, also, ladies, don't forget, tomorrow night, March Mondays, this is the second week. Uh, just out in the lobby, 630 to 8 o'clock. Any ladies, just hang out, uh, meet new friends, develop fellowships, just spend some time together for about an hour and a half tomorrow night. If you ordered a t-shirt last week when we ran out. If you ordered one last week, we had a little bit of trouble this week. We got all the ones that were ordered. We got them in. We got them made. They're back at the table. But And we're going to have more. So if you would like to pick up one that you've ordered, go see Kim. If you'd like to order another one, stop back there and see me and I'll get your name and size. But we, we kind of got overwhelmed, right? And then machine broke and like all kinds of fun stuff. Satan apparently doesn't want us to get as many t-shirts out as God does, okay? But we're, we're getting all that together. So that's that's the deal of the t-shirts. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. Let's get out of here. Go love God, love people. Watch him change the world. Hey.